Praise the Lord. It's so good to hear your voices. It's so good to hear this praise. And the Lord inhabits the praise of his people. It pleases the Lord to hear you lift his name high for him. And my heart is full. Are you as full as I am? You know, I don't mean like you ate one more donut this morning, like we needed. I told the Lord, I said, just one more, Lord, and I'll start tomorrow. I will. I I promise. (laughs) I am so full with love for the Lord, appreciation for all that he has done. I'm just so full of love and appreciation for you. And what an awesome congregation to be able to serve the Lord with. And as we look to a new year, I I can't wait to see what God is going to do through us. He's already done amazing things in us and through us in 2021. Right? He's got some awesome plans for us coming up. I'm just so thankful I get to do it with you. A people who are so generous to the Lord. Um, before I have you sit down, I, I'm leaving you standing on purpose because um, I want to see some of you fall over when I tell you what the number is that we finalize with our season of generosity. So um, one of our guys, that our long-termers, um, Dan Pease, last week, remember, I, I maybe, I don't know if I told first service or not, but he came to me and he goes, Phil, I see a two. You know, our goal was 176,000 to bless these ministries with. And he goes, I see a two. I think we're going to crack the 200,000 mark. Well, we cracked the 200,000 mark. The problem was um, we went beyond that and we cracked the $300,000 mark. And so we're well over $300,000. Praise the Lord. And you know, you know, um, I told him this morning, I said, you do know, and he goes, you know what, I have to confess something. He said, I felt like I saw a three, but I didn't have the faith to say three, so I said two. No more. No more. We're people of faith, right? <laughs> but anyway, praise the Lord for that. I am so thankful to the Lord, and I'm thankful for your generosity that we get to bless these ministries because we're just gonna keep pouring it out. We're not gonna be, oh good, look how much money we have for ourselves. No, we're going to give it away. Pray for the elders and deacons. Um, We're going to have a meeting. We've actually called a meeting and the only thing we're gonna do in that meeting is decide what to do. What an awesome meeting to have. Decide what we're going to do to bless those ministries um, with the additional money that that you gave um, to the Lord. So praise the Lord for that. I thank you for your generosity and the Lord is going to uh, bless you because you were generous to him. So let's give him one more thank you uh, for that. Okay, go ahead and have a seat. And um, I, 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 Kyle and Laura Martin and their family with Time to Revive are here in the building with us today. And I'm so thankful um, that they are. They're visiting us from Texas and um, here for Christmas. And um, Kyle, will you release this information? to our congregation. Okay, so we, we have partnered with Time to Revive for several years um, in their ministry, but this past year, an opportunity came for Time to Revive to acquire some land in Jerusalem, which is unheard of, and to acquire some land in Jerusalem, and the dream that Time to Revive has is to 
um, begin a revived school and 24-hour house of prayer there in Jerusalem. I mean, um, Kyle, I'm just going to come to you. Can we use this, this mic? That's like, just tell us a little bit. I'm so glad you're here. This is so good. Come on. So it's just a walk away from the tomb, right? Of the yeah, this is a seven-minute walk from Old City, Jerusalem, if you guys have been there before. Stand up. So they can see you. I was going to fall over, just like you said. Uh, you know, we've been praying. In, in 2001, somebody gave me an encouraging word about some stuff in Jerusalem and Israel. That was at Taylor University. And we have been praying for a move of God uh, in Jerusalem since then. And this church, uh, through my parents, <laughs> sorry, we've been praying for a long time that God would gather the nations in Jerusalem. You know what we saw in Indiana? You remember when the Baptists and the Methodists and the Mennonites and the Charismatics, they came together? Can you imagine what it's going to look like when the nations come together? And just last week, we were eating at Hilltop in Middlebury. You guys know where that is? And I got a text. We had been praying. We were at 3.8 million, and we've been praying for 4.9 million, which means we needed 1.1 million to get the rest of the, of the money, and God provided the rest of the money. And so, amen. And uh, I just want to say thanks for walking with our family. I never thought I'd get news in Middlebury that we're going to be given land in Jerusalem. But it's with a partnership called Holy Land Missions. He's named Stephen Corey. And here's the simple prayer request. The prayer request is, is that when you negotiate land in Jerusalem, it's not a done deal. And so if you think about it the next two weeks, would you just pray for my friend, Pastor Stephen, and one of the most prominent businessmen in Jerusalem as they negotiate with a Jewish man about land in Jerusalem for a training center. Thanks for supporting us. Amen. 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 So, Pastor Stephen is associated with Bethlehem. Baptist. Bethlehem what? First Baptist. First what? Stop. <laughs> Just say it out loud. First. It's, he's with First Baptist in Bethlehem. It's First Baptist in Bethlehem. <laughs> I just had to point that out, all right? <laughs> hey, you know what? We have been able to partner with this ministry um, this past year. You and your generosity, because of your generosity, we were able to help invest as part of that lump sum um, into that ministry. And the Lord says, I will bless those who bless my people. And we want to be part of blessing Israel. And you do know, as we move closer to the end times, um, Israel's a major player. I hate, you know, like, you, in case you didn't know that. Um, and so what an awesome thing to be able to invest in the gospel going forth from Jerusalem through our revised school and training those believers, those Jewish believers in Jerusalem to advance the kingdom through the gospel. Carl? Will you just pray over that and just pray, uh, Pastor, it's not Pastor Steve, right? He is a pastor. Okay, Pastor Steve, as he negotiates this and that the Lord would just continue to open doors. Father, we are actually overwhelmed this morning to hear about what, uh, what you have done with our season of generosity here and then to hear what's happening in, uh, in Jerusalem. Thank you for Kyle for his uh, vision Thank you for prompting people to give. I pray for Pastor Steve right now as he's going through all the negotiations. God, you've already uh, provided the funds. I pray that you'd pave the way now and 
God, that we might see some additional miraculous things <clears throat> there in Jerusalem. Thank you for being, hmm, there, aren't, <clears throat> there aren't adjectives to describe. Thank you for being an awesome God. Thank you for doing way more than we could ever imagine. And God, I pray as we uh, enter this new year that we would be people that would be worthy of the blessings that you've laid upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, guess what? I have some good news. You want to hear some good news? Some more, more good news? Jesus is alive. And he's still changing hearts and he's performing miracles. If you don't understand Israel, then you don't really understand and Jerusalem, you really don't understand the miracle that this is that the Christian church can actually acquire property and do what they're going to do in Jerusalem. That's a big deal, you guys. And that just shows that God is still alive. God is still working. And he's working mighty miracles. And we get to be part of it. He's at work. And he invites us to join him in his work. How awesome is that? All right, you ready to jump into the word? Um, let's go to Luke chapter 2 and pick up where we left off last week. It's the Christmas season, right? And we've been celebrating Christmas all week. And um, we're going to continue in this story in Luke chapter 2. So last week, we left Jesus um, as a baby in the manger, surrounded by some amazed shepherds in Bethlehem. Jesus, who has come to fulfill the desires of the prehistoric, predetermined plan of his Father in heaven. Now, as we go through this story, I don't know if this has been something you've mused on before, but I always have been curious to the fact that very little is told to us about Jesus until he becomes an adult. We hear about his birth, and then he's an adult doing ministry. And we don't have details. Wouldn't it be cool to have some details? Some people have tried to speculate in a very wrong way about the, ba the young boy Jesus. Um, but for whatever reason, uh, the Lord is silent. God has been silent on telling us about his growing years. Um, except this. In Luke chapter 2, we find that eight days after his birth, in Bethlehem, they took Jesus to be circumcised, and at that time, he received his name. So he didn't receive his name in the manger. He received his name at circumcision, the name Jesus. Now don't miss this, okay? Because the name Jesus is very familiar to us, but let's remember that the name Jesus is the name that is above every name. And it is the name that every knee will voluntarily or involuntarily bow before someday. Well, they took him to Jerusalem next after the circumcision um, to have him consecrated in the temple. And the scripture tells us about a righteous and devout man named Simeon who took him up in his arms, praised God, the scripture says, and then prophesied over his life. At that point... Mary and Joseph, we're told, took Jesus back to Nazareth in Galilee, where they were from, where we're told that Jesus grew, became strong, and was filled with wisdom and grace, and then we don't hear anything else about him again 
until he's 12 years old. Isn't that interesting? So we don't know anything about his childhood, and they pick up the story and give us a glimpse into his 12th year of life on this earth in Luke chapter 2, verse 41. So let's go there and read it, okay? Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. Now, let me just take a pause right here and say, this is possibly Jesus' first time to Jerusalem on this journey to Jerusalem to observe the Passover, but I kind of doubt it, and here's why. Um, We don't know for sure, all right? But what we do know is that Mary and Joseph were very devout and they were rule keepers, all right? With the mother and, not father of Jesus, but would he be like a stepdad? I don't know. But anyway, Mary and Joseph were very devout Jews and believers in the Lord, and the rabbis encouraged family units to go observe the Passover every year. So they probably would have obeyed the rabbis of the time. We also know that they're in a big caravan of people when they go, and that's how people traveled, especially if they traveled long distances to Jerusalem. They would go in big caravans. They would bring the whole family, and they would all go together to observe the Feast of Passover um, in Jerusalem. So probably this wasn't his first time, but it possibly could have been his first time. That's significant, and that will mean something in just a little bit here. Let's go on to verse 43. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Now, are you getting the picture? So the whole family's heading back home. Now, it's like a four- to five-day journey back to Nazareth from Jerusalem. So they got a long haul to go, all right? They take off for home, and Jesus decided to stay back. You got it? Okay, you parents. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for an entire day. But when he didn't show up that evening, they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. Get it? This is the point where Jesus' brothers and sisters say, oh my word, Jesus is in trouble. He's gonna get his first spanking right now. Okay, has anybody ever done this? Either you left your kids somewhere or or, or you know, you left them because you forgot them or you like didn't think about finding them. You thought they were there or the kids stayed back and wandered off and you didn't know it for a while. Were you there? You know, one Easter, Gavin and Amber sitting right down here, one Easter Sunday, we were all meeting for dinner after church and Gavin said to Rowan, who at the time was three, three, my grandson was three years old but they, he knew how to snap himself into the car seat. So Gavin said, hey, go get in the car and snap yourself in. I'll be there in just a little bit. And we're going to go to dinner with everybody. And so Gavin comes out, gets in the other car, and drives to eat. Did you catch that? The other car. Rowan put himself in one car. Gavin got in the other car, drove to Easter dinner, and the whole family's there. And we're like, where's Rowan? And he goes, Easter. 
You ever been there? Yeah, well, look at verse 36. Three days later, okay? Hey, moms, how you doing at this point? Three days later, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. I would love to just spend some time right here because this would be an amazing thing to think that Jesus, 12-year-old Jesus, is sitting with the top, the top guys in the Jewish religion in Jerusalem, in the temple, and he's actually conversing with them, and they are amazed at his understanding of the scriptures and the answers that they were getting from him. And when his parents saw him, verse 48, they were astonished. Astonished? (laughs) You know what that actually means? His parents didn't know what to think. Have you ever been there? I am so upset with you, I don't even know what to think. Happened to me one time. Long story, but I was out hunting. I thought the Lord Jesus came back. I left my hunting spot, walked back to camp three and a half hours. The whole time I was walking back to camp, my dad and my cousins were all looking for me in the woods. They thought something had happened to me. All I know is my cousin drove up. I got back to camp. My cousin drove up on his motorcycle because they sent him back and said, maybe the kid went back to camp. We can't imagine, but just go back and check. And Alan, my cousin, drove up. He pulls up on the motorcycle and he stops and he goes, you are in so much trouble. And he fired up his motorcycle and took off and go told him. And sure enough, when I got back, my dad took a stick and beat me with it. <laughs> now I'm saying to myself, I thought, I thought you were concerned about me. So he spanks me and then he hugs me and cries. I could have done without the spanking. It just did. But have you ever been that frustrated? And that's... Mary and Joseph, are there. they're like astonished, yes, but they're like, what? we don't know what to think. What are you thinking holding back, Jesus, and staying back here when we all took off and went home? So his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you, to which you can just hear Jesus saying, be anxious for nothing, mother. But that's not what he said. What he said is, why are you searching for me? That's an interesting question, isn't it? Why are you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Now, some of your versions might say about my father's business. Didn't you know that I had to be about my father's business, which is being in my father's house is what that means, so it's all together? Didn't you know, mom and dad, earthly mom and dad, didn't you know that I have a job to do? Why are you searching for me? Didn't you know that I have to be about my heavenly father's business? Verse 50, but they did not understand what he is saying to them. That's the passage we're working on today. And let's just start here. Like I said earlier, the scriptures are silent about the boy Jesus um, growing up, his physical and spiritual development. We don't know anything about it because the scriptures don't tell us anything about it. But it tells us that he grew and became strong. So that's indicating that he was fully man. So you know that Jesus came to earth and he was fully man and fully God. This is something we have a hard time understanding, but that was the way that it was. And so he grew 
and became strong. That was the, the human side of him. And then he grew in grace and wisdom. Some have even said that he probably possessed a unique physical strength because of his sinlessness, because he was fully God and fully man, and yet he did not sin, the scripture tells us. So here we've got this child who has never sinned. How awesome would that be? As a child who's never sinned, never done anything wrong, and yet it seems like he's done something disrespectful to his parents here, right? We don't know what he knew or didn't know until this time in his life. So we don't know. That's an interesting thing to muse on in the middle of the night sometime when you can't sleep. Just think about when did Jesus actually become aware of who he was and whose he was and what his purpose was. And we don't know anything up until this point when he's 12 years old, but what we do know is that right here at this time, when he's 12, Jesus had a complete grasp of his true identity and his purpose. Notice he says to his earthly mom and dad, don't you know I have to be about my heavenly father's business? Get this, right here at 12 years old, Jesus knew who he was and he knew whose he was and he knew what his purpose was. He had to be about his father's business. Now, with that in mind and with Jesus having that knowledge, that trip to Jerusalem and the observance of all that was going on during the Passover festival would have had a profound impression on Jesus. See, Joseph, his earthly father, would have purchased the family lamb, and no doubt he would have taken his 12-year-old son with him to sacrifice, to slay that little lamb, that spotless lamb, for the sins of the family. What a profound impression on Jesus who would have known at that point that he was the Lamb of God who was to take away the sins of the world. The boy Jesus was fully aware that he was the fulfillment of the Father's predetermined plan to deliver him into the hands of sinful men and to be sacrificed on a cross for the sins of the world at 12 years old. Just let that sink in a second. What were you doing when you were 12? What were you thinking about? I mean, I was like, Hey, Dad, can I, can I use your razor? I think I got, like, something starting to grow here on my lip. You know, we're dealing with acne at 12 years old. We're trying to figure out our brains because things are happening hormonally that we can't figure out. Well, Jesus had all of that because he was fully human. He had all of that going on at the same time dealing with the weight of the knowledge of who he was and whose he was and the predetermined purpose that he was to fulfill. 
as they celebrated the festival of the Passover lamb. Think of the profound impact that had on Jesus at 12 years old. But in spite of that knowledge, at age 12, he looks at his mom and dad and he says, why are you looking for me? Don't you know that I have to be about my father's business? And this is what I want us to dwell on today, is this. I think I have it on the screen for you. Jesus has an undivided dedication to the will of God his father. You notice I didn't write Jesus had Past tense. Jesus has, because he still has stuff to do for the Lord, Jesus has an undivided dedication to the will of God his Father. I have to be about my Father's business. I can't do anything else. There is an uncontrolling, overwhelming urgency that controls my mind, controls my heart at all times, and in every place to fulfill my Father's business, to do my Father's business. That's what consumes me. Nothing else matters. This is Jesus. Don't miss this, though. Jesus wasn't being disobedient and defiant towards Mary and Joseph. That would mean that he was sinful. What he is doing is he is establishing the necessary break that was to come, had to come, between him and his earthly parents so that he could fulfill the will of his Father who was in heaven. Jesus made it clear in John 6, 38, I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of my Father who sent me. In fact, in John 4, 34, I love this, he said to his disciples, my food is to do the will of him who sent me, get this, and to finish his work. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Curious. Are you like that? Am I like that? Do I have the same undivided dedication to the will of my Father in heaven like Jesus? We have been studying this, you guys, all year long we've talked about over and over again that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. That God has a pre, you know when I say prehistoric, I don't mean dinosaurs, right? I'm talking about before time, before history, prehistoric, predetermined plan for you and your life. Plans for you to be saved and then he calls you out from the world to live a life for him and he's got a job for you to do. My question is, do you and I fully understand that? Do we know who we are and whose we are and the purpose that God has for us and are we willing to have a dedicated commitment to that plan, to the will of the Father in heaven for our lives and over our lives or are we trying to run everything ourselves? Are we like Jesus in that commitment, the undivided dedication to the will of God, our Father? Here's another thing to notice and as we're talking about this. Part of God's business for Jesus was for him to come to be a perfect example for you and I and every other believer to follow and to imitate. Go to a very familiar passage with me to Philippians chapter 2. 
Don't check out on this because this passage is so familiar, okay? Take your Bibles, Philippians chapter 2. It's in the New Testament. If you're in Luke, you could just go to the right and you get to these small books. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Those are the letters to the churches, actually, by Paul. And this is what he writes in verse 6. Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. All that means is that he was God, and he didn't hold on to that right that he had as God. He was willing to lay that down. Rather, it says, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So this is Jesus. This is Jesus willing to lay down his rights that he had as God in order to fulfill the plan and purpose that God had placed on his life in order to lay down his life for the sins of all mankind so that we can be saved. This is what Jesus did. But do you know what verse 5 says before we read all that? The verse right before it. Look at verse 5. Your attitude, he's talking to you, my friends, you who know the Lord, all of you who know the Lord, your attitude or your mindset must be the same as that of Jesus Christ. Does anybody have in their mind a doubt about what Paul was talking to us about and what the Lord is saying to you and what the will of God is for your life? according to that verse. Can I clear it up for anybody? Does anybody need clarity on what God's will is for you? Do you get it? Not sure you do. How can I make it more clear? Let me put it this way. Your attitude and your mindset must be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Does that clear it up? Does that help you? I don't know. How else do you say it? How else do you make it more clear that God's will for every single life of every believer is to have the same devotion, the same undying commitment to the will of our Father in heaven and live it out and work it out than Jesus did. And you're like, that's not fair. Right? Man, are you guys in like a sugar coma, too much sugar? Do you agree with me? How can you? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm not Jesus. You're right. You're right. And you can't do it on your own. But he hasn't left us alone. He has empowered us by his Holy Spirit so that he can be in us and the work of the Father can be in us and that power that is at work in us is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead that is ours in order to fulfill the plan that God has for our lives and the purpose he has for our lives. So you can obey the scriptures. You can have the same mindset. You can have the same attitude as Jesus had about the Father's will in your life and to fulfill that will. The question is, are you willing to make that jump? Are you willing to make that commitment? 
We all have to make that decision. He had Jesus at 12 years old. He had full knowledge of the Father's will to crush him. Remember we talked about that last week? It was the Father's will to crush him and to deliver him into the hands of sinful, wicked men. I read this, Charles Spurgeon, like only he can put it this way. It was his father's business made him sweat great drops of blood. His father's business plowed his back with many gory furrows. His father's business pricked his temple with thorny crown. His father's business made him mocked and spit upon. His father's business made him go about bearing his cross. His father's business made him despise the shame when naked he hung upon the tree. His father's business made him yield himself to death, though he needed not to die, if so he had not pleased. His father's business made him tread the gloomy shades of Gehenna and descend into the abodes of death. Though he had this full knowledge of his father's will for him, he did not shrink back. He leaned in to it. He actually adopted the father's will as his own. He ran towards the roar of the crucifixion and the carrying of the sins of all mankind upon himself. In fact, he owned it so much that he said in John 10, 18, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own will. So he adopted the will of the Father as his own. And because he submitted to that business of the Father's, it was his Father's business to take him up to heaven and give him his rightful place at the right hand of God where he continues to do his father's will, interceding for his bride and calling men and women on this earth to repentance and salvation through his bride. And someday he will come to judge the living and the dead. He will separate and divide the sheep from the goats. He will take his bride to himself and make all things new again. This is the will of the father for Jesus, the son of God doing his father's business. How awesome is that? I ask you, my friends, uh, do you and I have the same attitude, the same mindset as that of our Savior, Jesus Christ? Do you have the same undivided dedication to the will of your father in heaven for you over your life. The example's been laid before us and the expectation has been set for all of us. So the question is, if not, why not? And if not now, when? What are you waiting for? Do you know why the gospel spread like wildfire throughout the known world? It went out through the known world in the New Testament times, in the times of the beginning of the church. Do you know why it spread like crazy and thousands and thousands of people came to Jesus? The scripture tells us it was because men and women of God, this is what the scripture says, didn't count their lives dear to themselves, but were willing to suffer the loss of all things for the sake of Christ and his kingdom. Are you willing to suffer all things 
for the sake of Christ and his kingdom? Are you willing to lose everything to make him everything in your life? That's the question before us. As we face a brand new year, that's the question before us. If the gospel isn't spreading today in our city, in our county, in our state, in our country, and around the world, it isn't because the gospel isn't powerful enough to go out. It is because the truth of it and the dedication to it has not yet taken root in the hearts of God's people who have been saved by it. And I'm talking to myself. I'm not just, I'm not beating you up with it. If it's not being spread, it's because there are too few of us who are ready to devote ourselves wholly bodily and spiritually to the cause of it and to the advancement of it and to fulfill the will of the Father, which is go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Thank God for you, Kyle. And the, and the burden, and it is a burden, but the conviction and the calling that God has on your life to call the church out I'm a different pastor because of your ministry. We are a different church because of your ministry. And the call to all of us, we need to continue to ring the bell. The call to all of us is, will you be devoted and committed to the will of the Father? Will you be about the Father's business? Too often are we just about our own business taking care of ourselves and do we have enough and are we gonna have enough? Too many of us right now are too concerned about 2022 and 2023. Too many of us are too concerned about what we see our government and those governing authorities doing to our nation and doing around the world. Too many of us are too concerned about that and we're so bound up. Okay, let me just say it. Too many of us are too concerned about getting sick and dying. Oh, you did not just say that. Yes, I did. Do I have to say it again? Let me say it again. Can I say it again? For me to live is Christ, and to die is Now, I'm not gonna go kiss a COVID patient on the lips and be stupid. But too many Christians are holding back because we're afraid. That's not the call of God in your life. That's not the will of the Father. That's not doing the Father's business. We need to be so bold in a time like this that someday they'll write over the top of history books and the Christians rose up. In a time when everybody was afraid and everybody was shrinking back, the Christians stood up boldly in a supernatural unnatural way and proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ and they cried out with the hope of the gospel and said listen if you don't want to be afraid of dying come to Jesus I'm sorry I just like yelled at you am I right 
am I speaking truth here? Too many of us are concerned about the things of this world and concerned about the uncertainty of the future and not being about the Father's business. It's stopping us. We're too concerned about the cares of this world and we're not doing what God has called us to do to the level that he has called us to do it. If your Christianity is worth anything, it's worthy of everything. I read that in my study this week and I thought, man, there is something you can write down. There is something that you can post on your refrigerator or there's something you can stencil on a wall where everybody sees it, like above the door every day that you walk out the door to take on the world. You read this. If your Christianity is worth anything, it's worthy of everything. Your devotion to your father can't be shared with anything or anyone else. It must be all or nothing, just like Jesus. That's the call of God on your life. Be imitators of God in Christ. Give up everything for his call. Make your battle cry, I must be about my father's business. And if you do, Jesus will bless you But I must say this as well, he will never be satisfied until he has all of you. The whole of you and all that you possess. I want you to just go in your mind's eye and remember that we owe so much to Christ. Because, listen carefully, had he not responded in full surrender and dedication to the will of his father and given his life for you, you and I would still be damned and dead in our trespasses and sins, and Jesus' obedience saved us from hell, those of us who have put our faith in him. You and I owe so much to the blood that was shed to redeem us and to forgive us. So you and I are duty-bound to say, I have to be about my father's business. So I call you, my friends, I call you today to look into the abyss of 2022 and beyond, to look into the unknown and into the uncertain, and with full abandon and determination say, not my will, but yours be done. Fulfill your will through me. In fact, I'm going to adopt your will and I'm going to own it myself and I'm going to lean into it and I am going to give everything I have to help you accomplish your will on earth as it is in heaven. What's wonderful about the Lord is that when we slip, when we take a pause on total dedication, we can, in a moment like this, and we're convicted about our dedication to his service and to his will, be able to confess that. And every time we confess and come back to God and say, I'm sorry, I have taken a vacation from your purpose in my life. I want to get back on track. The Lord is always standing there with his arms wide open, 
like the prodigal son's father and saying, hey, no, I'm not talking to you, but (laughs) maybe I am. Hey, hey, kill the fatted calf. My son has come home or my daughter has come home. Let's have a party. Get back at it, guys. And he, with open arms, will receive us and forgive us and encourage us and strengthen us. And he's like this loving father that says, okay, now get back up and get moving again. Let's get going again. I can't tell you how many times I have recommitted my life to the Lord. I'm about to do it again this morning. I loved my my good friend. Um, Can I say his name? I don't know if I can say his name or not. Well, he went public. I guess I can go public. Uh, Fred Staten used to pastor Bristol United Methodist Church here in town. And he went on his Facebook and he said, today, I recommit my life to the Lord. In a new and a fresh way, I want to commit my life to the purposes and plans that the Father has for me. And I thought, man, how many pastors have you heard write something like that and say, I'm going to recommit my life to the Lord? Aren't they always committed? What do you think? (laughs) Do we fall down? Do we get lazy? Do we get self-absorbed? Do we go into self-protection mode? Yep. And so we're gonna do an old-fashioned invitation. For whatever reason, this message took me back to my childhood. I guess it was probably thinking about what I was like when I was 12 years old. And I remember how many times to this particular song of invitation, I actually stepped out from my seat came down, knelt at the altar, as if to say before God and the entire congregation, I'm going to recommit my life to the Lord, and I am going to surrender all anew and afresh. Like, serious, Phil, you're going to actually ask us to come down to the front and commit? if, If the Lord is convicting you, absolutely no shame in that. But what if the whole congregation comes forward? Awesome. But you know, you don't have to come down here if you're already all in. I don't assume that every single one of us needs to recommit our lives today, but I know that some of us do. And the Holy Spirit has pierced your heart today in a new and fresh way and has spoken to you, is speaking to you right now. And you know how I know it? Because if I was in your body, I would be able to tell that your heart rate is up just a little bit and your hands are starting to get clammy just at the thought that God might call you to come forward and surrender your life. Or at just the thought, forget the coming forward, at just the thought of what he might be asking me to surrender to in 2022. But he doesn't ask you to understand it. He doesn't ask you to know it. He just says, commit. Dedicate yourself. Surrender it all to me. And let me use you in a powerful way. So I don't know how the Lord's going to speak to you today.
But I'm gonna invite you to stand right now and we're gonna respond to the Lord. You can actually kneel right where you are if you want. You can kneel before the Lord and just commit yourself, but I've made some of my greatest decisions in times like this that have directed the future of my life and my walk with the Lord when the Holy Spirit has called on me to surrender. All to Jesus I surrender all to him I freely give I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live I of this moment, I want to speak to those who may not know the Lord right now. And you know if you do, you know if you have believed in him, have confessed your sin before him, have accepted his gift of salvation. This is what the Bible says. These are actually words of Jesus. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. That is a strong truth that is a warning to all those who hear the voice of the Lord. And the scripture says that if today you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Open your heart to him. Receive him. Believe in him. You may be sitting in your living room right now, and you know in your heart you need the Lord. And you're sitting there thinking, well, I'm just all by myself in here, so I don't need to make that decision. I want you to know you're right here with us, and the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to you right now and wants to save you. You can open your heart to him today. You can humble yourself today. Confess that you are a sinner. Receive his gift of salvation. Believe in him, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe that God raised him from the dead. And the scripture says, when you do, you will be saved. We even have people that are willing to help you with that. 
You could just click on the tab to get some prayer and we would love to help walk you through that. But those of you who are in our building, today is the day of salvation for you. You can commit your heart to the Lord and you can be saved today. You can walk right up here. These people are serious. These people that are down here giving their, doing business with the Lord's business, they're serious about this because they know that this thing of eternal life, this thing of life in Jesus Christ is real. If you're feeling the weight of your sin and you're feeling the guilt of that, and you want to surrender that to the Lord and call on the name of the Lord, he will save you. And then, like the rest of us, you can commit yourself to being about the Father's will for the rest of your life. I would encourage you, as we sing this last verse of this song, that if you want to be saved today, either you're online, you're reaching out to our prayer team, you can come forward right now. You just come right here to the middle, and you just take my hand, and somebody will sit with you and help you make sure you find Jesus today. If you still need to come and commit, you can do it also as we sing one more verse of this song. All to Jesus I surrender, Lord, I give myself to Please help my brothers and sisters as they give themselves to you anew and afresh. Help us all as we give ourselves and surrender ourselves, all of our worldly pleasures, all the things this world has to offer, all of our concerns, that we surrender everything to you. We surrender our very lives, everything we have. Lord, take it. Take our lives and use them for your glory and for the advancement of your kingdom. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're almost done. Let's go into 2022 with courageous abandon. All right? And when we are tempted and enticed by the things of the world, let's just look Satan in the eye and let's look the things of the world in the eye and just say the words of Jesus why are you looking for me why are you seeking me about don't you know that I am to be about my father's business you have no 
power here. You have no business here because I am about to do my father's business. You can come and bring the temptation, but I'm not going to yield to that temptation. You can try to discourage me, but I'm not going to give in to that discouragement because I am a child of the king. I am a child of love, and he's got a calling on my life, and I am about to be about my father's business. Come on, everybody. Let's stand up and let's go out rejoicing in this song one more time. Lift Nothing it up. Nothing can change the way you love me. Nothing can change the way I belong to you. Yes, I do. Nothing can separate. Nothing can change the way you love me. Nothing can change the Give somebody a big hug on your way out. God bless you as we go do the Father's business. Love you. Thank you for joining us for our worship service online today. Our hope is that the worship and teaching has stirred your affections for Jesus Christ and has inspired you to love God, love others, and influence our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you made a spiritual decision today or if you just want prayer with somebody, would you click on our connection card link and there you can find the help that you need. Also, we encourage you if you haven't already, download our church app from the App Store today so that you can connect with us in that way and the many different tools that it offers. As always, our website offers a host of opportunities and resources for you, and you can find that at fbcalcart.org. Hey, thank you again for joining us today. We'll see you right back here next week. See ya.